Welcome to the College Football Bros. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am the youngest brother, Michael Newman, and I am joined by the middlest brother. Yeah, that's me, Ryan Newman. And by the oldest brother. Yeah, that's me, Trey Newman. All right. On today, <laughs> Trey, you're looking at me like, I know I changed up the wording of the intro a little bit, but I was, yeah. I was just, you know, I'm used to getting a longer, more elaborate intro. Yeah. I'm sorry I couldn't do you justice this time, but... <laughs> Anyway, we've got a lot to get to this episode. We're going to discuss, of course, the national championship and all the the latest news in the coaching carousel. And at the end of the episode, be sure to stick around because we are going to say goodbye to the 2019 season. And we're going to have some help from Sarah McLaughlin. So that should be nice. Uh, But first, we have a five-star review to get to, Ryan. We sure do, Michael. All right. It is from uh, Booby Pilster 21 uh says go tigers great podcast keeps me alive during the off season uh the bros are funny and knowledgeable of the game i'll be in new orleans for the game to cheer on my tigers all the way from idaho all right wow idaho cool yeah that's very cool and i'm sure he had an awesome time yeah that's cool all right we also have to announce our espn bowl mania pool winner it is strive to end divisiveness and he scored 716 points to win by 11 against LJ Santa Maria. So please email us your mailing address at collegefootballbros at gmail.com. And Ryan will come rob you in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yep. I will. Or we'll send you a prize. We haven't decided mm. which one yet. Tough call. Tough call. Uh, okay. National championship time. LSU, of course, is your national champion. They beat Clemson 42 to 25. Uh, Trey, what were your thoughts on the game? Well, I mean, to start out with, Clemson was really in control for most of the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I will say, I thought Clemson was a bit too conservative in a game like this to start out. They, yep. they uh, on the opening drive, they got down to the LSU 35. Well, a little bit, they got even closer, but Lawrence got sacked. But on fourth down, they ended up punting instead of kicking a 52-yard field goal, which You know, I would have been like, okay, if they didn't think their kicker could do it. But a couple drives later, they ended up kicking a 52-yard field goal and making it. So I was a little surprised with that decision. Yeah, I would have gone for it for both of those if I were, if I was. Well, that one was like fourth and 18 or something. Oh, the okay, the fourth and five. But then the next one, yeah, they had fourth and five at the 37. So I understand not kicking, but you got to go for it instead of punting. Yeah. I mean, they still... With all of that said, they still ended up going up 17-7, and all the key Clemson players played a factor in that to to get them up. So you kind of thought, oh, they're they're uh, they're the champs. Here they go. But then LSU and Burrow just kind of woke up. It took them a few series, and boom! Like with the last three drives of the first half, they scored touchdowns. They go up twenty-eight seventeen just in in the blink of an eye. Yeah, that that last drive in particular, I thought was. The, the biggest drive of the game at the end of that first half where, of course, they were only up 21 to 17. And on that last drive, Ugh. they converted a third and 19. Well, it didn't really convert it. Well, they yeah, a bad pass interference. Pass I mean, inter- that was a bad, bad PI, man. Yeah, Kendrick, Darian right? Kendrick just oh. tackled him. Oh, dude. And then later in the drive, they converted a third and 10 on a draw play from Joe Burrow, which was 
a great call and a great run by Burrow. It yeah. was, but man, if he didn't get it, the half was over. Yeah, it was definitely Pretty risky. Much. There wasn't a lot of time left, um, but they did. He got out of bounds, and then they had time for one more play, and Moss was wide open. So yeah, that that gave him that twenty eight seventeen lead. Yeah, that was huge. But then you know, you right there, you kind of think, oh well, lights out for Clemson. But they got a they got they forced LSU to punt on the first drive of the second half. They go down and score and go for two. They cut it to 28-25. You think, okay, here we go. We got a second half. But from that point on, it was all LSU. Uh, Lawrence threw so many passes that were too high and and not even catchable for his receivers. They threw, what they show that stat, like 13 overthrows or something? More than he had, yeah, the whole year combined or whatever. It was bad. You know, it probably, and there was another play, it probably didn't matter, but Clemson had a touchdown taken off the board. They called a very weak PI on uh, T. Higgins. It would have cut it to 42-32, but it really didn't matter. LSU was superior. They were better on both sides of the ball as the game went on. That that offense is just relentless. They just they just keep coming at you. Um, yep. But I will say, to, to kind of wrap up my point is, I think third down killed Clemson. They were, on offense, they were one for 11. But on defense, they gave up. We just talked about two crucial ones. There were a couple others via penalty um, that that really ended up kind of costing them in this game. Yeah, and Trey, you kind of mentioned it already, this Dabo being too conservative. I felt like he got a little bit of fool's gold there at the beginning, thinking that his defense was going to really kind of slow, slow LSU down for the whole game where – you know, if he would have been in the mindset of, okay, this LSU's offense is going to score. So what does 15 yards of field position really matter? I'm just going to go for this because it, you know, it doesn't really make sense to hold him. But although that one of the times he did that, they did pin him deep and then forced a three and out, I will say. But mm-hmm. um, still, though, I mean, they, they got to get points. Just punting isn't enough. So I think if they, if Dabble could have done that over, maybe you had been more aggressive and made a little bit more of a difference later in the game, a few more points. But yeah, that, Michael already mentioned it though the third and nineteen that was uh, that was just a backstabber. I mean, I know they ended up scoring the first drive out of the second half to cut it to three, but it's just too much to compete with when you're giving them that many kind of advantages. Yeah, and like you say, with the the fool's gold to start out the game, we should I guess revisit that. Burrow was well, I guess for Joe Burrow struggling, even though the very first play he improvised and made an incredible pass. Yeah, it was it, a great play. It got called back though. Um, and then, yeah, that kind of three one seven that that Clemson was running, and they were pressuring him from different spots, and it was affecting him early. Obviously, that was only the the first few drives, and they figured it out. But also, Clemson offensively early in the game was doing pretty well. Higgins and Ross each had big catches. That one T Higgins uh, reverse where he ran over Fulton to oh, get yeah. the touchdown that was awesome. Yeah. But yeah, after that, I mean, Higgins was kind of in and out with with injuries and Lawrence just, like you said, just wasn't wasn't sharp for for most of the game. Um, but let's let's list Joe Burrow's stats here. So 31 for 49, 463 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. He also had 58 rushing yards and a touchdown. So he uh, caps off the what I think we can all agree is, if not the greatest season ever, it's it's in the discussion no doubt. 5,600 passing yards, 65 touchdowns, six interceptions. Just ridiculous. The the 65 touchdowns, I that's more, I saw on Twitter, that's more than some teams have scored in the last couple years combined for all their players, not just one guy. Like, oh, wow. It's, boy. it's incredible. San Diego State. 
Well, Michigan State was one. This guy, <laughs> this guy was a Michigan State fan. I'm not okay. trying to bury Michigan State, but this guy was a Michigan State fan, and he he commented like, "Burrow has outdone my entire team for the last two years." <laughs> yeah, That's brutal. And uh, Jamar Chase also had a huge game, 221 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Even had a drop or a couple drops, I think. Uh, but yeah. one of them was just a perfect throw by Burrow Ooh. for what would have been a touchdown, but yep, ended up not mattering, of course. Um, let's see anything else before we move on here from the game. I mean, it kind of turned into a blowout at the end, even though it was still close third quarter. Yeah. I mean, I thought LSU secondary played, played really well in this game. I know Trevor Lawrence had some overthrows, but I mean, some of those were kind of on purpose. I feel like because the defense was right there. He kind of just had to get Mm -hmm. rid of it. The, the receivers weren't getting a ton of separation. So, I mean, Fulton, Delpit and Stingley. I mean, those guys were awesome in that game. Yeah. One guy that on in Clemson secondary that seemed to get burned a lot was AJ Terrell, who's Ooh, boy. obviously a great player. I really felt a lot of them, though. Like, I don't feel like he played a horrible game. It was just a lot of it was. Yeah. I don't know. Did you think he played? He's been doing that the whole year. No, I know. I agree with you. It's just he's when you go one on one on those guys, it's it's tough to beat them. Yeah, they're so good. And he he also struggled in run support though he had quite a few uh, i can remember one play where he tried to tackle edwards elair <laughs> and really didn't work out Nah, he just didn't really go for a tackle he just kind of turned his body <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i struggled with that well bringing up edwards elair kind of makes me think of two plays in the game one where he his hand was out of bounds and yeah that yeah. was it was cra- how they didn't review that i don't know and then the other was the uh, the catch by I can't remember if it was Higgins or Ross, the one where that was Higgins, um, I think, right? Higgins, and okay, Tome where he really would have touched or something. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, when he came to the ground, he dropped the ball, so I think that's why it wasn't a catch. But I've never seen a guy float like a millimeter yeah. from the ground for he was so flying. long. He was literally hovering in the air. That was a crazy play. Um, also, shout out to uh, James Skowski, the linebacker for Clemson. He had. Seemed to be everywhere. He was putting pressure up the middle on Joe Burrow. Until he got thrown out. Until he got thrown out, which not a violent targeting, but it was targeting. You know, yeah, he, it was. Just had to call it. Hey, and uh, one of our uh, one of our patrons, he he accurately predicted the game. Was it Rutgers Todd? He he guessed forty two twenty four. It ended up being forty two twenty five. No way. That I, I saw. He was pretty close. That's that's crazy though. Awesome. All right. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash college football bros. Trey, you're such a shameless advertiser Come there. On. Come on. Week plug. Hey, hey. We, we, have, we have fun, not just on Saturdays, throughout the week. It's true. We've got a Discord chat there that we're all talking and talking trash and talking trash mostly, mostly about Michigan State because they <laughs> suck. <laughs> Sorry, Michigan State fans. You, you don't suck. It's just one of our listeners who cheers for them sucks. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's let's move on to a, a, another question I had here. And we discussed it last episode, so we don't have to rehash it too much. But just briefly, are there any updates on your thoughts as to whether or just where LSU stands in the greatest of all time, greatest teams of all time? Yeah, I, you, you see a lot of hot takes right now saying, oh, they're instantly the greatest. I think there is a little bit of recency bias there. So I'm I'm not going to overreact yet. I want to kind of let it settle maybe for a couple of years and kind of gain a little bit more perspective. Couple years. <laughs> well, no, I'm serious. Like I, you just gain perspective on, on certain eras. I'm going to sleep on it. <laughs> no, the eras, eras kind of change. I mean, 
I will say this team over the last five games, and I kind of mentioned this last last week, is that this five game stretch was just so insane because their defense really stepped it up. We knew about their offense, but well, even though their offense went out of the stratosphere more, but but I was very impressed. This last five game stretch was as good as anybody in in the history. But um, I mean, just this game alone, six hundred twenty eight yards against like arguably one of the top five, well, for sure one of the top five defenses in college football. Insane. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, f- you can make the argument now, just Michael and I were kind of talking about this before we went on pod here, but just a fact about who they beat. If you just look at schedule and not anything else like margin of victory or anything like that, they have a case because they beat five teams that finished in the top 10, you know, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. That's all those teams finished. I was worried game. about you halfway through that list, Ryan. I was like, is yeah. he going to get all these? I, I just went like backwards in their schedule, you know, and it kind of wow. worked out. You're a savant. So, yeah. Thank you. Um, but anyways, so if that's, nobody's done that. That's pretty impressive. Now, yeah. you know, the, the gold standard, or at least for a lot of people is 95 Nebraska. Is that oh, they Homer, gonna Homer, Homer, Homer. <laughs> no, but they, they never had a close game and they beat four teams that finished in the top 10. Mm-hmm. That's one less than LSU, but there's no conference championship game. There's no semifinal game, so that's you got to consider that too. Yeah, there, but they're in the discussion. That's that's for sure, no doubt. I will say, last week I dismissed it a little too quickly. I think. Okay, if, so you've updated. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, another dominant game that'll yeah, yeah do it. Yeah, true. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's get to our segments then. Well, also, we didn't even mention Ed Orgeron there, by the way, I guess just before we move on, oh. like that's Joe Burrow was an amazing story because of the fact that he was considered, you know, basically just above average or something coming into the year. But Ed Orgeron, kind of the same deal. We sh- we still weren't sure where he stood amongst the top coaches in college football. He wasn't even considered, no. but obviously yeah. now he's going to leap into that conversation. Yeah, a couple of years ago, he was kind of. He's sort of on the hot seat there down in Baton Rouge, so for sure. Well, yeah, one of the assistants after this game said when they he mentioned how two years ago they lost to Troy at home. Yeah, he's like, I w-, he's like, I was there, and look at us, look at us now. Yeah, yeah, and even just you sort of forget that even before this year, like literally a few months ago, we weren't sure about Coach O. I just went and looked back at just I like to look at their uh, this SRS ratings on college football reference, just kind of a quick and dirty rating for each team. And the last few years, LSU was essentially just like the the end of the Les Miles era. Yeah. Um, but now they obviously take a giant leap forward. Can they keep it going? We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We're going to talk no about Joe Brady. Joe Brady in a little bit, and that could yeah. have an effect. Uh, so the coaching carousel will start with Mississippi State hiring Mike Leach. It seems like this happened forever ago, but yeah. we have not recorded a podcast since then, so... Ryan, do you think he's going to be successful there? Well, it depends on your uh, definition of success. I mean, is he going to win the West? Never, uh, no, he's never going to do that. Is he going to win 10 games? Probably not. But will <laughs> he make bowl games somewhat consistently? Yes, I think so. He's done it in two difficult places before, Texas Tech and Washington State. And it's just his style kind of lends to, I don't know, it's almost like you go to the, it's like the great equalizer. It's almost kind of like the triple option. For, for, but just in through the air, I guess. So it's can equal the playing field a little bit. Um, it's going to be exciting for sure. But yeah, I think he's going to, you know, consistently make bowl games and do do fine there. 
Okay, I'm going to be more negative here. I mean, I don't think they're just going to be happy to consistently make bowl games if that means six and six, seven and five, maybe an eight and four thrown in there. I'm not sure if Mississippi State fans, if that's what they're looking for. So I just think there's only so many wins to go around in the SEC West. And right now in that division, I feel better about LSU and Alabama, obviously. Auburn. And then, yeah, Auburn. Of course, Texas A&M with the the way they're recruiting under Jimbo. Yep. Ole Miss, I know I'm maybe a little biased here. I'm just super high on Lane Kiffin, the way he I expect him to recruit there. So I just think he's going to be at such a disadvantage talent-wise, potentially, which I know he he coaches up talent, but I don't know. I just, like I said, I don't know if there's enough wins to go around in that division. So if I'm having to pick a have-not, I'm throwing out Mississippi State. I I agree exactly with what you're saying. I guess I don't know. I, I I'd have to get in the mindset of a Mississippi State fan because in my point of view, I think he'll be successful for Mississippi State standards. Um, just because they're they're not they're not going to win the West. I mean, they could have this that one magical year, sure, but uh, consistently w- against those big boys, I, I don't see it happening. But but to Ryan's point, he does he he gets their offense to a point where they're going to be at least in most games and they might be able to knock someone off, but um, I just don't, I don't think he'll have enough, especially because unless he hires like the best defensive coordinator known to man, I I don't, which he hasn't done in the past couple stops. uh, It'd be tough. He did have Grinch. He did. They had, they had a, they had a good year, but they still didn't, you know, what did Washington state end up doing that? You know, they didn't, I mean, they're pretty dang good. What the 11 and 10 and two and lost to Washington in the apple cup, something like that. Yeah, but they didn't go to the conference championship, and that's in the Pac-12, not the yeah. SEC. I mean, I'm true. Yeah, true. Well, Chris Peterson owns them. He's running away from Chris Peterson. <laughs> it, I, yeah, but, sure. You know, we, we we sound negative, but at least it will be fun to watch just to see that style in the SEC. Not to mention the state of Mississippi. Yeah, and and I think I, I'm saying I'm negative, but I think it's a good hire. But I just it's sort of like the way I felt when when Chad Morris was hired. Obviously, Chad Morris is not nearly as good a coach as Leach, but I feel similarly. As to when he was hired at Arkansas, it's like, I just don't know if I would feel good about any coach taking that job because the landscape in the SEC West. Yeah, unless you're Nick Saban or something. Yeah, such a disadvantage. Okay, moving on to Washington State now. They replaced Mike Leach with Hawaii head coach Nick Rolovich. And I love this hire. Yeah, it was a great hire. Yeah, he did a a very good job at Hawaii. He kind of inherited a mess from, from Norm Chow there. And he runs an exciting offense that's that fits the culture at Wazoo, and he's just a likable guy. Like to me, he's he's almost a he's a, a less curmudgeony Mike Leach. He's just a, a nice fun word. Curmud- yeah, thank you, thank you. That's all I got. I'll end on that word. Oh, okay. No, I I love it too. He's got that unique personality that you talk about, and his style and and persona is going to fit in Pullman, especially since the players that are there are going to kind of fit his style. So they don't need to do major personnel changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, there's a good chance in my eyes, the Cougs don't really take a step back. Uh, but as always, it's going to come down to if they can, you know, produce a, a good defense. So if he can hire a, a respectable D coordinator, then, uh, then I, I really like it for, for the Cougs. Yeah. That's the thing. The defense kind of took a nosedive after her a couple of, pretty good solid years for for kook defenses and then ooh, his past year wasn't so good but it's a great hire nick rolovich did a wonderful job at at hawaii and i think he'll probably be able to recruit a little bit better than uh 
I think Leach did. Not exactly Leach's forte. Mm-hmm. Okay, next news we have here. Well, not really news yet, but there are rumors that Justin Fuente is one of the leading candidates for the Baylor job. Um, so do you think this makes sense, Trey, for Justin Fuente? And would you like the hire for, for Baylor? This this marriage kind of seems a little odd to me. Maybe since his leash is getting a little bit shorter at Virginia Tech. I mean, a few games into this past year, he was kind of on the hot seat, and then they really turned it around, and they have some reason for for hope going forward. But but Baylor, if you take the Baylor job, they have high aspirations in the next couple of years with what they've got returning. So whoever gets that job is going to be expected to have immediate success. So there's some pressure there. Um you know, he's from Tulsa. He spent a few years coaching at TCU, so he's familiar with the the Big 12 landscape. It, I don't know. It's a it's a tough one for me. Yeah, what do you, if you're Baylor, it's just such a tough call to you know, like you had so much success, so do you just hire within, you know, and just try to keep the status quo? You got that Joe M. Joe M. Could <laughs> Joe M. Joe M could be the guy. Joe Mama. Fuente, I mean, to his credit, uh, he's had kind of some 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 rough go there at Virginia Tech as far as like dismissals and kind of just probably some stuff that's outside of his control. You know, it was just he inherited some kids and some situations that weren't all that great. It was a couple years into it, but it's I don't know. He he managed it all well and ended up having a good year. But uh, I don't. I'm not surprised that he's looking or at least interested in another another job. Yeah, because a lot of Virginia Tech fans, when this with this news kind of coming out, there's a good faction of them that are saying good riddance just because yeah. of, like you said, with those problems that they've had and transfers. So that is a blemish on Fuente's resume. But I, I think this would be a good hire for Baylor, e- even with that blemish. And it's because because of that blemish is the reason he's available to you. Like if because when he he was the one who jump started Memphis, so did an incredible job there. And at Virginia Tech, it was great at first, had a couple good years, and now, you know, kind of some turmoil the last couple. But if he hadn't had those, then he'd be looking at like a blue blood job. That's where he'd be headed for. So I think you're kind of getting a little, quote unquote, by low, but I I still think he's a great coach. Yeah, and it's just the the recruiting was pretty bad now in, at Virginia Tech. Like they were like 63rd or something this year. It was uh, like second to last in the ACC. So it's... uh. Seems like he needs to move on. Okay. I would prefer Billy Napier, of course, but yeah, that, that goes know. without saying. Uh, the last coaching news ha- we have here is a day after the national championship, it came out that Joe Brady is going to head to the Carolina Panthers to be Matt Rule's offensive coordinator. Ryan, what does this mean for LSU? Ah, uh, well, we'll find out, but it's... Okay, good answer, Ryan. Thanks. Thank you. Good answer. All right, moving good on. Good answer. No, I would think it would affect him quite a bit. I mean, it's there's the there's one like difference between the last couple of years. I mean, Esminger was there already. Joe Brady was the one guy that came in and changed everything around. No matter, uh, maybe they learned a few things from him and they can just keep it going. Mm-hmm. But you know, without Joe Brady now, without Joe Burrow now, it's going to be completely different. So yeah, I'm concerned if I'm LSU. It it is a concern, but you know, hopefully, from an LSU point of view, he kind of laid the foundation, uh, and they can just kind of run with it. You know, Joe Brady wasn't even calling all the plays, so at least they have that going for them as well. But now that they have the style that they want, LSU is not going to have a hard time recruiting in the next few years. So I'm not overly 
concerned, I guess. Okay. Well, recruiting has never really been an issue. No, but you can always, there's always room to, always... to go up. True. True. All right, let's get to some news and notes here. We have former Wake Forest quarterback and our little brother, Jamie Newman, is grad transferring to Georgia. Yeah, it was Trey's call. I mean. Oh, is that what Trey, did you predict that? Uh, well, he loves Georgia. You know, he's went to a game oh, there. Oh, you mean he advised oh, yeah. Jamie? Yeah. Yeah, he he listens to the oldest brother. Yeah. So, Ryan, how big of a deal is this one? I think it's a pretty darn big deal. I mean, obviously, now that Jake Fromm is gone, they needed somebody to step in and uh, take over the reins. And Newman gives them an experienced quarterback. He's proven that he's a good player. And he's gone up against the great competition. So it's not like he's going to be afraid of the limelight or anything like that. Plus, it gives them a little more of the ground game. I mean, Newman's not exactly uh, the fastest kid in the world, but he he does have some juice to his legs. So he's for sure, you know, and that's something that, you know, they kind of were missing maybe on that Georgia offense this year. Well, past couple of years, but yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think he's just the immediate cure for that offense, but I think he really helps and hopefully combine him with modernizing the offense a bit that receiving yeah. core getting a little bit healthy and then maybe they've got the makings of a good offense. That's exactly right. Like, his his added dimension of a, a little bit more mil- mobility should help. Um, I'm not ready to anoint him as as the savior because the biggest question is how does Kirby change that the offensive style? They need to in order for for them to take the next step, regardless of who the quarterback is. But but Newman's obviously a great pickup. Proud of our little bro. Oh yeah, uh, another player that is now in the transfer portal is. Houston quarterback Derek King and Trey I'm going to go to you first where do you think he could make the biggest impact next year well I, I saw a, a video of from the coaches film room of the national title and both Mike Gundy and Gary Patterson joked well we know where he'll be next year referring to Oklahoma oh uh, yeah but I'm I'm not saying he's going to go there uh, there's rumors else you could be in the mix but I'm going to say he would have the biggest impact if he went to Miami. Oh. Miami, Manny Diaz, he brought in Rhett Lashley from SMU to run their offense. They need some spark there. So that might be a, a good marriage. Yeah, that's a good answer because they they need someone to carry them, it seems like. Yep. I'm going, no offense to uh, to Tyler Shuck, but I'm going with Oregon because they're going to have a great defense next year. It's going to be really good. But then on offense, of course, Herbert is gone. They lose four starters up front. So if if King can go there and he plays like he did in 2018, then they are a legit national title contender, especially with Joe Moorhead reportedly yeah. uh, going to be their, yep. their next offensive coordinator. Yeah, Michael, you took it. I was going to go with Oregon as well. It just seems like a, everything's tailor-made and everything's ready. They just need a playmaker at the QB position and... Eric King would be it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Tyler Shuck, we, we just haven't seen much of him. Maybe he's going to be really good, but... Ah, shucks. Who knows? Wow. Oh, nice one, Ryan. Thank nice you. one. Thanks. Uh, okay. That does it for our segments. And, oh, I just want to... I feel like I've been saying this every episode, but within a few weeks, we're going to do a whole episode devoted devoted to all the coordinator hires and draft declarations that we haven't talked about. Obviously, there's been... A constant flood of those. So Austin Jackson. Sorry, Mike. I know. Yeah. USC's offensive tackle leaving. LSU had a bunch of guys. Yeah. Yeah, Who cares? uh, Declare. Yeah. They'll they'll be fine. (laughs) 
But uh, but anyway, we are going to end the episode now by saying goodbye to the 2019 season. Man, I are mean, you guys, it, ready? It, it literally feels like just yesterday we were recapping that crazy Arizona Hawaii Week Zero game, and and it's now true. it's the end. Like, that doesn't feel that long ago. Oh, I know. Gosh, there was a lot of heartbreak between the then and now, though. Oh yeah, for our our Huskers and. Uh, mostly the Huskers. Yep, exactly. Well, and the Trojans not not firing Clay Helton. <laughs> yeah, that, oof, ouch. All right, well, let's say goodbye to the season, guys. Good riddance. Yeah. Goodbye, Hawaii. Thanks for scheduling your games at 11.59 p.m. so we don't get confused about what day it is. Goodbye, Hugh Freeze. Thanks for being such a joke that somehow coaching a game from a hospital bed is only the second most embarrassing part of your career. Goodbye, Ohio offensive lineman Hagen Maservi. Thank you for doing a cartwheel in the middle of a play and inspiring fat guys everywhere. Goodbye, Ralphie Five. Thanks for being the best part of Colorado football for the past 12 years. Goodbye, Baylor head coach Matt. That <laughs> rule. Thank you for a magical season. I fucking love you, man. Goodbye, Stanford kicker Jet Toner. The Palo Alto Inkwell has finally run dry. Goodbye, announcers who for some reason love to say one man to beat when there's almost always more than one man to beat. And goodbye, Nebraska preseason hype. We hope to not see you again next year. <laughs>